Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Grace, Peace, and Balance uh, podcast by Gabi Abdelgadir. This is episode 102, and I have an incredible guest for you today. His name is Denis Laroux, a gentleman full of wisdom. Uh, he just taught me something new, just so you know, but we're not going to share it with you because it's a secret. and uh, yeah welcome and I'm going to read a little bit of his bio and I'm going to let him uh, talk about his experiences and all that. Dennis LaRue is an international transformational change agent for personal corporate and global transportation. Dennis believes that all problems no matter how complex they seem can be broken down to fundamental solutions. I love that. As an international coach, he was part of the transformational movement in Paraguay, South America. He is an outstanding connector who holds you accountable, challenges your thinking, and encourages you to reach your next level and get results. He is also a certified global priority solutions specialist trained to facilitate value-based leadership roundtables a transformational method of personal growth and leadership development that is impacting nations around the world. And he is a Jack, not Jack, uh, John Maxwell certified leadership trainer. Take it over. Welcome to my podcast, Denise. Oh, Gabby, thank you so much for having me. It's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to be with you. I'm glad we finally got to connect. I know. It took us like, what, a month? It, you know what? When we're busy, involved in transformation, you know, it, 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 it's tough to connect. But I know. Uh, I'm so glad we're here together to, yeah, to spend too. time together. Same uh, here. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself growing up before we get to the leadership part. Well, yeah, I could spend all day just on that. Just I, I, I've been I've been told by my family I've been given a blessing. I have a great memory. Okay. So I remember a lot of my youth. I really do. Um, I grew up. I'm a native-born Pennsylvanian. Okay. Born in the northeastern part, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre area. But my parents decided they wanted to move away from family. And they moved far away. They moved to Texas. Oh, wow. <laughs> to, to the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Arlington. And I, that's my formative years. So my, my ages of 5 to 15 are in Arlington. And so for me, that's, yeah. home, that's home for me. I, I call that home. That's where I grew up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so as a kid living in, in that part of Texas, um, I found my love for sports. I've always loved sports. Just you name it. If it has a ball... Uh, I, I love playing it. I, I loved soccer and football and basketball and baseball and, and loved running. I, I picked up running as well. I just, I played all of those sports. I loved them. I was always outside. I was one of those kids that when, as, as soon as I could go outside and officially knock on somebody's door to go play, that's when I was out. Uh, those are my summers. By 8.30 in the morning, I was that kid knocking on the neighbor's door. Hey, can you come out and play? And then we're playing the rest of the day, just sports and, and all throughout the neighborhood. That, that was me. I was a very outgoing, just happy kid. Um, 
love, loved collecting things. I collected baseball cards as a kid and have very fond memories. I have still have quite a bit of those cards. Um, sports, collecting, those were my biggest things as kid. As a kid, I wasn't much of um, you know going to school. I love school, but I wasn't great at it. You know, I, my favorite part of school was seeing my friends. I was the social butterfly at school. That's I said hi to everybody at school. Aww. I just, I was one of those guys. Just, I, I loved going to school to see people. It wasn't necessarily um, doing my grades. Now I did get good grades, but it wasn't because I was putting in tons of effort. We'll just put it that way. I, I was pretty good. I was really good at a lot of things, but not great at really anything. <laughs> that, that's kind of me growing up in a nutshell, at just as far as my young years. My parents decided to move back to Pennsylvania during my, my uh, high school years. So back into the Northeastern part where I graduated, played sports, went to college for a year. Um, after my freshman year of college, um, one of the funny things is I ran track and cross country primarily in high school, oh, wow. ran, ran competitively in college. The, bad, the good thing was I was really good at running. The bad thing was I wasn't running to class. I was running from class. And my, uh, my college GPA showed it. So after oh, my wow. freshman year of college, I moved back to my parents decided to go back to Texas again. Uh, that, that's a whole separate story. But I moved back with them, went to a junior college, met my wife and uh, met my wife and joined the Air Force and then saw the world from there for 20, the next 23 years. Also, oh, you were in Air Force for 23 years? I did. I retired from the United States Air Force after 23 years. One month and 29 days. <laughs> oh, my God. You also have the numbers correct. Great memory. So how did you get into leadership? What got you to get into leadership? You know, that's a great question. And, and I can't really, I can pinpoint benchmark moments as a kid, but I really didn't get into leadership until I started reading about it in my Air Force career. Um, one of the books that they gave us to study for promotion and just promoting the, um, uh, just understanding our job, you know, like we would at corporate jobs, we give people kind of a handbook or we give them a, a briefing about the culture and what to expect in their job and, and training and all that. Well, one of the chapters I had to read in this book was leadership. What, what would, do you remember the title of the book? Uh, it, it's it's the Air Force Professional Development Guide. Oh, it, it's okay. about a 400-page book that covers <gasps> everything from leadership to the history of the Air Force to different uh, aspects that every airman, NCO officer okay. should have an understanding of throughout their Air Force career, regardless of what they do as a daily job. Okay. It's kind of the overarching um, understanding of the Air Force. And leadership was one of those chapters. And I remember reading it and it just, it stirred me. It really, I got excited. It fired me up and it kind of put the puzzle pieces together of things in my life, things that I saw in sports and it just, everything rises and falls in leadership. And, mm -hmm. and I couldn't oh. understand why the coaches were getting fired when the players weren't performing on the field. It, that always bothered me because I would look at that team and say, this team should, has all the talent. They've got skilled players. These guys are excellent athletes. Why is the coach getting fired? He's not on the field, but he's the leader. And he's the one that's putting that talent together in the field. And that just fascinated me. Okay. And 
so when I really started understanding leadership and what it is, mm -hmm. I really started to see that it was a strength of mine for years. And I can remember my neighbors in, in Arlington, Texas, I'm still very close to them to this day. And I can, and I can hear my neighbor tell me, you know, you've always had that gift of leadership. You've always Aww. had this gift of leadership. And it just, uh, it, it's hard to explain. For me, it's hard to explain. And when something's hard to explain, it's a gift that you have. Yeah. Because it's something natural to you. Uh oh, I hear my granddaughter in the background. Her That's granny's got so her. Cute. Granny's got yeah. her. Okay. My granddaughters are here. Um, okay. So, it, when you're really good at something and it's something that comes natural to you, it's really hard to teach others to do it because it's something that you do without thinking. Yeah. And you probably didn't know it was leadership that you had as a gift, right? Exactly. At the time. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I had no idea. Um, another instance where I saw leadership pop up was actually in high school. Two, two instances. I recruited my best friend to run cross country. And I'm not talking cross country skiing. I'm talking cross country running, running distance. Oh, wow. And I remember talking to him about it. And he's like, ah. he's like, Dennis, I don't want to run cross country. I'm like, look, you get a varsity letter. If you just show up and run, you get, a, and I started the whole recruiting process. And I said, and plus the guys on the team, these guys are family and they're a winning team. He goes, what do you mean? I said, they haven't been defeated in three years. When I moved to that school, I said, we're going to go undefeated next year. Come be a part of it. He joined. He, he joined and stayed with it. We were juniors then in high school. He joined track with me as a sophomore and then ran track and cross country with me for the rest of our high school careers. Wow. That was one instance. And then my, my junior year in high school, I took a speech class Okay. and I wanted to be a television broadcaster as a kid, sports broadcaster. Here I am talking, oh. you know, sports that, that was on my mind as a kid, but I didn't want to take public speaking. And I remember saying to myself, well, if you think that you're going to go into broadcasting and not take a speech class or afraid to speak, um, you better pick a different career. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's so, true though. Yeah. So I took the class and I really struggled. I struggled through it at, at times. There was one instance in that class where we had to pick a song. And then based off of that song, we had to give a speech on why we picked the song we picked. Mm -hmm. So I picked my song and I gave my speech. And it was one of those underdog speeches. Okay. <laughs> because my, the song I picked was Phil Collins, I Don't Care Anymore. Okay. That was my song. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I don't remember the whole speech, but at the end of the speech, the look on my classmates' faces after I gave my speech, you could have heard a pin drop. There, it wasn't clapping or anything like that. They were, I remember a friend of mine saying to me years later, we you know social media came out, we connect on social media. He said, I still remember the speech you gave in high school. And that speech, that day, you earned my respect. Oh, that is in junior high school. Yeah, that was in, in high school. school. I was in a junior. School. Yeah, I was a junior in high school. And this was 20 years after the fact. And he said, I still remember that speech. And you earned my respect that day. Oh, wow. And I, at that point, after that speech and looking at everybody in the class and even the teacher, I knew, oh, wow. That's an influential moment because leadership is influence. And in that moment, I realized 
oh, wow. Why, I, I, I was over, I couldn't tell you it was leadership and influence. All I knew was I spoke what was on my mind. I spoke my heart. And when I did, people's lives were different as a result of it. There was a different re reaction to me, a me, a different reaction to them. There was just something to it. It, it was oh, wow. magical, if you, if you will. And so those are the moments that for me growing up where I saw leadership, you know, okay. going back. So you got into, after you retired from Air Force, mm -hmm. that is when you decided to take it to the next level. Is that what happened? Yes. After I retired from the Air Force, I, I served on a, a, um, a staff of a nonprofit where I was doing basically ministry type work. I'm a person of faith. And so was serving there for ministry for a couple of years. But I really also discovered I got certified as a coach. And I realized there, it, my leadership going to a different level, I realized that my leadership, my strength and leadership was within the coaching realm. Because I, did, I couldn't tell you, honestly, I mean, we're talking, this is 2015. And coaching has been around a lot longer before that. And, you, and yes. you've been a coach for a while. I couldn't tell you what coaching was other than when me being a sports guy, coach was the guy on the sidelines with the whistle blowing and either yelling at me because I did the play wrong or yeah. telling me to take laps or high-fiving me because I did a good play. I mean, that, that was it. Teaching yeah. me moves and a lot of sports related. But in 2015, when I discovered what coaching was, going through coaching program with the Maxwell Leadership Team, and now studying it beyond, I realized that my style of leadership and my strength in leadership all throughout my, my Air Force career was actually coaching. Because I didn't always tell people what to do. They knew what to do. They'd been trained what to do, but nobody would just ask them the questions and give them the confidence mm -hmm. to do what they needed to do yeah. without fear of being yelled at or beat up. Or, or, and when I say beat up, you know, just being yelled at or told, no, you did it wrong and, and those type of things. Because mm -hmm. there's some people in the military, their leadership is on their sleeve. So whatever their stars, bars, stripes are, or their position or title on their desk is, that's normally the, the, the leadership that I experienced in that, in that chain of command environment that I was in. And I'm not saying that that's right, wrong, or indifferent. That was just the environment I was in. Corporate yeah. has the same thing. If you've got a C or C in front of your name, or if you're supervisor or leader, well, then there's a chain of command that, that you follow through the process. And a lot of leaders rely on their title or their promotion or their pay grade as their primary leadership skill set. Yeah. And that's what I experienced with many people in my Air Force career. And I realized that the coaching skill set that I used was relationship oriented because coaching is a relationship. Yes. Yeah, absolutely and built a relationship with my people. And so I, I knew what their skills, their strengths, I knew their dreams, I knew where they wanted to go, I knew how long they wanted to stay in, if they wanted to make it a career. And then I was just able to plug and play them into the, the, the team and the organization so that they would do the mission that they were assigned to do, but at the same time, helping them get set up for success and where they wanted to go and who they wanted to be and not get angry about it because they weren't quote all in. Yeah, they were all in. They had they put on the uniform every day. 
Mm-hmm. And, and most of the time when I met people, I would just ask them a coaching question, what we would call a coaching question. Yeah. And, and it would open them up and create a safe space for them to know they weren't going to get chewed out. They weren't going to get paperwork or get, get uh, some type of negative uh, negative feed in their file. Feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Negative feedback for their file that prevented them from promotion. And I gave them a safe space to work through what they needed to work through so they could become who they were meant to become and to do what they were meant to do. Wow. That's incredible. So, so how, be, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, no, 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 no. I was just going to ask then how this Paraguay thing came up then when did it come up? Like you have been, you actually worked in South America. Well, here's what happened. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm at my certification with John Maxwell and okay. John Maxwell gets on stage and he's, and he brings up one of our team members from Paraguay okay. and, and share, and she shares what she did. She went home. She wanted to transform her nation's leadership. Okay. And she said, John, sign this book because I'm going to give it to the president of Paraguay. And John says, oh, you know him? She said, no, I don't, <laughs> but I'm going to. And she, she did. She got to the president, gave him the book. They talked. And the president of Paraguay sent John a message and said, John, come and transform my nation's leadership at all levels, all spheres of influence across my entire nation. Wow. And John did a live video back to the president of Paraguay saying, we're coming. When I, and I was there and I raised my hand. I said, I'm coming. That's what I signed up for. That's global impact. I want to make a difference. I want to make a global difference. I want to be a part of a legacy movement. And I signed up and thankfully I got, I got selected. I was only one of 250 coaches to go down there for a week. Mm-hmm. And we trained and we facilitated um, values-based leadership roundtables and trained facilitators at every level across the government, tw- uh, across the entire country. We're talking government, sports, businesses, corporate, small businesses, restaurants, schools, dojos, wow. politicians, everywhere. And over 20, I think it was 20 to 25,000 people were trained. And when we left, Mm-hmm. They were then to continue that momentum. And right now, the last time I heard nearly 600,000 people across that country have, have gone through values-based roundtables. I, I can remember to this day, uh, I, was in, I was in with a, another, another team and we were training the uh, healthcare administrators mm-hmm. and, the, and the, the lead healthcare administration, administrator for the entire country of Paraguay was in the room. Wow. And so we finished our, we finished, it was a three hour training. So we finished the first hour and a half where we trained and demonstrated what these values-based roundtables look like. And at our break before they went into their own rooms and did them themselves, and then we supervised, the, the, the lead healthcare administrator came up to me and she put her hands on my shoulders And she looked me, she leaned in and looked me dead in the eye. And she said in beautiful English, Dennis, you are an answer to my dream. I'm going to be honest with you that I, 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 I 
I get emotional just sharing that right. I went back to my room that night and I bawled my eyes out. I just cried my eyes out because who doesn't, who doesn't do what they do and want to hear that That. you were the answer to their dream, that you made such a difference in their life. You were the person that they were praying for. You're the person that they were seeking. You're the person that the knight in shining armor, so to speak, you're that one person that God sent to answer something that they have dreamed about their entire lives. And we were bringing, you know, going back to the complex problems to that are fundamental. We were teaching values. And we would say here on where we're at, I mean, in, in North America, we would say values are basic. We might even look down on them because they're, they're fundamentals. Yeah. We, we already got this. Yeah. Uh, do we? Uh, I think yeah. we need to go back to our fundamentals, right? But that's what we were doing there. And they were seeing for the first time how important values are because they were not just seeing it as getting promoted or this is something good for our organization. They were seeing the bigger picture. Oh, I can take this home to my families. Oh, I can do this in my college dorms with my friends. I can do this with my family when they come over for dinner on Sundays. I the their lights. It was amazing what we expanded. saw. Yeah. Just so expanded. Yeah. And, and that's what blew me away because it was so simple. Was so simple, but my question is: the book that she gave to the president of Paraguay was that one of uh, John Maxwell's books? It was. Um, Which one? What was the title of it? Just curiosity. I'm trying to remember. I think the book that she gave him was called Intentional Living. I think that's the book it was. Okay. I think that's the book. Okay, Intentional Living. I like the title of it. I don't have that part. Uh, I have about three, four books of his, but not this one. uh, That whole shelf is John for me. I I think it was Intentional Living. Um, I'm not 100% certain, but I'm pretty sure that was it. Okay, you can can research it. But that was incredible. And then you came back from there. You started working. So who do you coach right now? What is your passion like to coach in groups? Do you do one-on-ones or you just focus on corporations? How, what, what, what do you do? A great question. I, I do a little bit of all of those. I do love small groups, facilitating small groups. My three strengths are these. It's mm-hmm. teaching, facilitating, and coaching. And so small groups allows me to do all three of those. Yes. My yeah. heartbeat is one-to-one coaching. I actually coach a lot of coaches. Okay. That those are the those are the people that seem to resonate with me the most. I do have business owners and people of faith that, that come my way, but primarily I get a lot of coaches that want coaching because coaches need coaches, right? Absolutely. We and all do. A, we all have yeah. coaches. Yeah. And it's a relationship. And as coaches, we're looking for people that we trust. I mean, in, in business, we do business with people we know, like, and trust. Yeah. And so it's looking for that coach that is is a trusted advisor, somebody that they know cares about them. It's not about the money, but wants to get the most out of them because not only do do coaches value coaching, but they're also looking for those coaches that can pour into them. And that's my heartbeat. I love pouring into coaches and just 
just breathing life into them. That's my, my word behind me. My life word is inspire. If I can breathe life into the coach, just give them that little bit to, to keep them going, to keep them growing and to keep multiplying their influence. I, I love doing that. So I, my heartbeat is coaching coaches, but there's also, you know, we, we, we get that, that intuition in us and there's that person that comes up to you and you just know you're supposed they to coach help. them. Yeah. You just, you just know it. And so Absolutely. I, I, I pour into those. So I'm very intuitive and instinctive. And so when somebody comes and I really know I'm supposed to coach them, I coach them. I, I take them on and I coach them. So to answer your question, I do small groups. I do. And I love one-to-one and, and primarily I work with coaches and, and I'll be honest with you, my heartbeat going forward I want to work with, I love sports. I want to work with those coaches in, in at the professional and collegiate level. Who's coaching them to, to be able to, to breathe life into them? That okay. there's, just, there's just something there deep within my soul that that cries out to me. Okay. Oh, that's nice. Oh my goodness. So, so you prefer... Um... You prefer coaching coaches. That would yes. be number one, but still you would be helping anybody that you feel needs your help. Sure. What uh, about with... corporations like companies and, you know, yes. 500 fortune companies? Absolutely. Love working with them. Love working with C-suites. What I did in my Air Force career is I was also a consultant. So what I what where I can serve... The, the corporate level, those corporations is, is helping them with their leadership in the middle. A lot of people know how to lead down and a lot of people know how to lead across, but very few people know how to lead up. That's the greatest lesson I learned in my military career was to learn how to lead when I didn't have the stars and bars like everybody else in the room. Mm -hmm. And that would be a great place to serve a corporation and also with the CEOs, what really touches my heart with them is getting behind closed doors with them and just giving them a safe space to work through things that they need to work through that they can't work through in their normal circles. Yeah, so I agree with you. That is something that I see missing a lot in the corp uh, world. Um, I don't see a lot of leaders. Well, I have consider myself lucky. I have worked with incredible people, mm -hmm. but I see it happening a lot. There is no, they don't coach the team. Okay, you're busy. You don't have time. Hire someone. You don't have to pay every month for that, but every quarter, bring yeah. someone, for example, like you, like, all of these incredible coaches that we have, like hire somebody every quarter to just motivate them, to guide them, and then have a safe environment where it doesn't have to be recorded so that people uh, will be open to speak about the issues that they're facing. There is that fear also mm -hmm. that I have seen. People are afraid to open up and talk about what, they, what issues they have. And then even if they did, who is listening? In my opinion, a great leader should be a great listener and should be discreet at the same time. Not like Denise told me this and then I go tell John tomorrow and then John will tell Jane 
You know what I mean? That right. is not leadership for me. So I think. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not good coaching either, right? I mean, no. the, the, the reason why co- the good coaches are, are, are the great coaches is because they provide that safe space, that confidentiality. Exactly. Yeah, confidentiality. Yeah. yeah, and safe space, like you said it a few times, and I really respect you for that because uh, not everybody understands that. So I have seen that, and I think a lot of the corporate environment, corporate world, like I, the companies I have been in, like I have always said, why don't you hire someone? Oh, your Bob Proctor, he wants 20,000 for like one hour and this and that. It doesn't have to be, may, may he rest in peace, right? Yes. Uh, it doesn't have to be Bob Proctor. It doesn't right. have to be Tony Robbins. There are so many incredible coaches out there, leadership leaders out there. Exactly. And also I, I would... I would say to those companies that are saying, well, you know, Bob Proctor charges 20,000, how much money, if you're going to look at the price, take a look at your turnover in your organization. How much money have you invested in your, t- the, in bringing in new hires, new leaders that leave within a year or two years? How much money was invested in their training and to onboard them and bring them in and they left? Mm-hmm. I guarantee you it's more than $20,000. Oh, you bet. Yeah, you bet. That why, is that. Why, yeah, why not invest? It's an investment. People are an investment because without people, your companies don't exist. Exactly. The people make the company. So it's either like a great company or there is a lot of turnover. Right. And, yeah. and people that are, if the company invests in the people, that's a level of leadership to show your people that you care about them. And when you care about them, they'll start caring more about you. They'll start to say, you know what? I know that my fill in the blank cares about me. They've invested in me. They've given me opportunities. They listen to me. They've fill in the blank where they've shown that you care about the people. When when the leader cares about the people, the people will follow that leader and they'll go the extra mile. They'll yes. put in the extra time. They'll, exactly. they'll, they'll start producing. But if, they don't, if people don't think the leader cares, then the people are going to show up at eight or nine o'clock, whatever their time is. They'll take their break at whatever time it is. They'll take their lunch at whatever time it is. And they will walk out the door, whatever that time is. Yeah. They, they will give you the bare minimum. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was incredible. Like, I really love this conversation. Anything else you want to add? Wow. You know, um, I'm, I'm really passionate about leadership because if we get that right, if we get the leadership right and the leaders and the leaders grow in themselves, like we said, the coaching and, and they're investing in them. You know, if the lead, I hear John Maxwell right now, it's the law of the lid. The leader is the lid of the organization. He is the ceiling. So everybody else is doing this. And if the leader doesn't grow himself and doesn't get that coach, doesn't invest in himself or herself, then people do this. And after a while, the really good ones who want to grow, they exit stage right or stage left. True. So true. Yeah. But, when the, but when the leader pours into himself and opens his lid, the people come with him. 
Yes. And he's able to pour into them. She's able to pour into them and, and they grow together. And, and it, that's such a, when I got that concept of the law of the leader, I didn't understand it. I, I don't know how many times I read that book, the 21 laws of leadership mm-hmm. before that finally clicked. And when it finally clicked, it's like, just that little bit, it's a sponge. You mm-hmm. can't get, if there's no water in your sponge, you can't squeeze it out on anybody else. You got to have water being poured into your sponge to squeeze out and pour into the people around you. And if you can keep that constant flow, it's a, your, your place of employment, your, your company, your business, the people, it's a team that will win championships. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was amazing. That was incredible. Oh my God. I would love to do a round two of this conversation. Absolutely, Gabby. I would love this. Thank you so much. Thank you for this opportunity. I've enjoyed being with you. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, you have one last advice because I have a a personal question that I'm going to ask you before we... Sure. Um, Advice. You know... um, So all coaches, let's start with coaches. Okay, for all coaches, my greatest advice to you is... Not only be present for your, for your people, for your clients, those you coach, you need to be present in God's presence. Oh, I be just present. Yeah, in God's presence. Yes. You, we teach self-awareness to our, we, we, we talk about self-awareness to all of our clients. We need to practice it too. Yes, we have to practice what we preach. Absolutely. Incredible uh, way of uh, finishing this conversation. Okay, let me now ask you something that has nothing to do with leadership. <laughs> I, I don't know if this is, you've been, you've watched some other podcasts and you're ready for it or not, but if you have one dream that you would like to fulfill that you haven't done, yet that you would love to fulfill before you die what would it be wow that's a great question one one dream i've had so many things that i want to do so let's see now like you know see that you're passionate about you didn't have time but you want to do it and you you still are going to do it before you die you want to accomplish it what would it be wow Choose one of whatever is in your, in your you, list. You know, the first thing that comes to my mind, you know, I, I've mentioned sports a bazillion times already in our time <laughs> together. I, lo- I do love sports. I love watching them. You know, I think the, the one thing I would like to accomplish as a, as a sports fan is to attend a Super Bowl in person. I've never done that. I, I've watched wow. them. I've watched them all and I love them, but I would love to be present for, for a Super Bowl one time. Yes, you will. That's not a very difficult one to do. No. You will. You will. I, I agree with that. That's the first one that comes to mind just as a sports dream. That, that would, that's probably, that's the first thing that comes to my mind when you ask oh, that question. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah, my God. I can tell like you're so passionate about sports. Excellent. Okay. It, it's the greatest expression of leadership in a, such a, a small amount of time yeah. uh, to me, sports, because yeah. there's so much into it. Wow. 
Amazing. Okay, second question and last question. If you have to visit three countries mm -hmm. before you die, what countries would they be? Well, that's a wonderful question. Um, and the why, yeah. Uh, number one, um, I would go back to the United Kingdom, to to England, Scotland, Wales, and the and uh, and Ireland. And the reason why is because during my Air Force career, I spent four years over there. Okay. And I got to go to Scotland without my wife while I was there, and she got to go to Scotland without me a couple of years ago. <laughs> So I would love for her and I to both go to Scotland and Ireland together and, and Wales, because there's, we've got so many great memories with our kids over there. It would be great just to, it would just rekindle a ton of memories that mm. that's the, that's the first one that comes to mind. Okay. Um, the second country that comes to mind is Australia. Okay. Just there's, I love the heat. There, there's just something about Australia that, that compels me to go there. I, I do want to go to Australia. Two. And, let's, okay. and that's two. The third one? Hmm. The third one? Wow. So I think the third one would be... Um, the third one would be... Wow, there's so many come to mind. <laughs> There's so many, there's so, you know, the third one is Israel. I've never been to Israel and as a person of faith, that's just a place that, that, that calls me to come visit. Excellent. To you just know, be on yeah. the ground there, to yeah. be on that sacred ground where so many um, historical events where, where, where Jesus walked, where his where his disciples walked and seeing some of the buildings that are there that are literally thousands of years old. Yeah. There's a, there is a spirit there that is just, um, there, there's a heavy spirit there that I just can't describe. All I can say is uh, I just want to bathe in that. Yeah. Oh, wow. One of my ex bosses did it. Uh, did it he took his son with him he was three years old he mm. he did it and came back i remember yeah incredible yeah incredible beautiful choices um yeah it's all gonna happen for sure yeah so we're gonna have to do a round two but it has been an incredible pleasure and uh, thank you so much. So for every listener, I am going to be posting uh, Denise's bio and all his social media links, both on Podbean and on YouTube. He will have his calendar there. If you want to get in touch with him, you've listened to this, you want to get in touch with him and connect with him in social media, you will not regret it. Until the next episode. Stay blessed and I wish you grace, peace and balance. Thank you.